official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Hello. I just took a huge bite of my bagel because I forgot that the opening only goes for like 10 seconds now. <laughs> and Ryan has also got his mouth full so no one can talk. Hello and welcome to the Ab Sake Show. I am JB. I do not have my mouth full yes, because JB. I knew how long the opening JB was. JB is now the host of the Adam Sank Show. That was perfect. Okay. Let's try this again. Welcome. <laughs> what a disgusting way to open. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are coming at you live. We're actually live, if you're listening, at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, February 6th. We made it to February 2021, dnrstudios.com. That's the only place to hear this podcast live, including on the DNR Studios app, which is free at the App Store, uh, and you should all download it. Um, listen, if you listen anywhere else, leave your ratings and reviews. Email me questions, comments, love letters, and of course, dick pics at adam at adamsank.com. If you're listening live, uh, we never get live callers anymore. I'm not that mad about it, honestly, but um, you know. You want to call in, say hi. Maybe it's your first time calling in. It's 804-825-5277. That's 804-TALK-ASS. Where I really hope you'll call in is two weeks from today is my birthday show. And we got no guests, and I want to take your calls and also play voicemail. So call 804-TALK-ASS, whether we're on the air, off the air. You can always leave a voicemail, uh, and uh, we might play it on the air. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page, download my two comedy albums, even though I don't make a penny from any of those downloads. Uh, get your official ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, even a cocaine spoon. The link to all that is adamsank.com. I really wish I sold cocaine spoons. That would be Do my you. bestseller. It'd be hard to fit the Adam Sank Show logo on that little spoon. But uh, anyway, today's guest is a first timer. Uh, like most of our guests in the past six months, it's uh, we're having brand new celebrities on. This is a, a wonderful comedian that I've known um, since I started comedy. And in the last few years, she has blown up. She has been on every late night talk show you can name. Her name is Carmen Lynch, and we'll be talking to her a little later in the hour. But first, uh, it's my privilege to introduce uh, the, the man whose mouth is now empty for once, the piggiest of pigs, Ryan Frostig. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Ryan. Welcome. Thank you. JB is also with us, as you know. He was the uh, host of the show for a few seconds there. Welcome, JB. Hello. Uh, Ryan, you have a, a lot of news, uh, a lot of changes in your life, a lot of transitions. Oh, yes. You had something raised. I'm transitioning. And something lowered. <laughs> Tell the listeners uh, what's going on with you. Oh, my God. Um, well, I just moved in with my boyfriend officially yeah although we basically have been living together for the past year um thank you da, da, da. and we took a, a little break from uh cannabis uh it was a five-week stint we we had we had set out to do just a month um as a new year's resolution 
And no last, weed for five weeks. For five weeks. And the first like couple of days were so brutal. Like yeah. we just like stared at each other and we're like, God, we're so boring. And then we it, it actually brought us a little bit closer because we just sort of like got to sort of pull back the veil of, you know. Well, your emotions start to return. Yeah. And it just felt good to have some clarity. I mean, this is such a weird time of year. I hate the winter time. I'm always super oh, I thought that was a it said bong sound and I thought it was like a bong. It's actually a boing. Sorry. It's a pretty good bong sound I just did. Um yeah, and so it just it, it's been a weird it's been a weird year so far. We we are we are in 2021. We are no longer in 2020, but it's just still like just such a depressing time of year. But it feels good to like be, you know, a little Little soaps. Well, congratulations on your move-in. Thank congratulations you. on yeah. your experimental sobriety. I do think you should smoke pot less yes, on a general basis. That's the plan. That's and the plan you left out forward. the fact that you are no longer living with a straight guy who had uh, <laughs> yes. an enormous ass. He did have an enormous ass. In one of ass. the best possible ways. Yeah. and um, Two bowling balls. One time he crawled into bed with me and uh, uh, drunkenly spooned spooned up uh, in front of me, which was um, I, quite we memorable. We never really talked about that. Why do you hate it? Because, okay, it, mostly because mostly every time that happened to me, it was with, I mean, I'm not going to call them straight. Let's, straight let's identified. Them, yeah, sure, whatever. But they loved me, and I loved them. <laughs> and, they, and they knew my love was deep, and they would play these games. I'd be like, no. In other words, the cuddling made you yes. feel things. Yes. I'm and just then, like, go away. Why are you doing this? You don't, yeah. don't want to hit this. He's See, like, but maybe I do. Yeah, I, I don't, don't fucking do that. <laughs> do you remember I mean, when I told you this, when it happened? I mean, I feel like it was years ago at this point. I, I sort of knew immediately that there was nothing behind it, that it was just a drunken moment. You were more convinced that there was something lingering. But, you know, the next morning, he, I remember him just, like, kind of getting out of bed. and. Well, I got a vibe from him from the get-go. And also, I don't believe any man who has an ass like that is 100% straight. God doesn't give you a perfect bubble butt for, for unless nothing. he expects you to use that. Oh, my God. I said the same belief. thing about a kid I knew in college. He had a fat ass, too. He claimed he was straight. But he was wearing tight pants all the fucking time. Like, my, mm-hmm. my little brother to this day, I'll never forget, we came back from smoking high, and he was just bent over. And my little brother was like, damn, that's just fat. I would hit that. And then Michael bent up. He was like, oh, my God, that's Michael. And I was, she, I was he bad. thought it was a girl? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was so bad. Anyway, um, lots of developments. Let's do recommended viewing real quick. We yeah. skipped it uh, a couple weeks ago. I am going to recommend, uh, unless you are easily terrified i'm going to recommend a limited series on netflix called night stalker which is all about uh the serial killer richard ramirez who terrorized california north and south in the uh 80s i didn't really know anything about this case i guess living in new jersey at the time we didn't really get that much news about it but it was he was an unbelievably prolific serial killer, and he didn't always kill his victims. That's all I'm going to say so far. Um, it, it really is haunting, but it's a great series. It it it's like um, it unfolds like a mystery, and uh, uh, I watched the whole thing in one night. Don't watch it alone, Ryan. Interesting. Well, I have two recommendations. Um, the first is I saw the film Promising Young Woman. Yes, this was going to be my recommendation two weeks ago. Um, Really, really brilliant. 
it it almost reads as like the me too get out it's like um it it feels like a horror film but it's not it's not uh gory at all it's, mm-hmm. it's just about like this woman who i don't want to give too much away but the premise is basically that she goes to these bars pretends to be drunk gets picked up by these guys takes them home and before they get a chance to like take advantage of her she basically calls them out and and embarrasses them and humiliates them to the point where they're completely exposed and it just sort of it's a an interesting take on sort of the the female perspective of i don't know what it's like to be a woman being harassed by men on, right. on a constant basis. This film has received tremendous acclaim. It was just nominated for a couple Golden Globes. I do want to see it, but I refuse to pay $20 to see a streaming movie. Yeah, so I'm going to fucking wait until the price drops. It's a little, it's a little insane. Um, and then my second recommendation um, for something a little bit different is Bridgerton on Netflix. I don't like Bridgerton. I love it. I would rather watch Bridgerton than any Ryan Murphy show that has ever existed. It is like the perfect uh, escapism fluff that has some great booty work. There's a some lot of, of hot men on it, but it's also like it's 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 entertaining to me. I mean, I don't know. We we tried to um, we're we're watching Pose. I'm trying I'm trying to give Pose a second chance. And again, it's like I love what it is. I love what it represents. But it's just Ryan Murphy. I just don't vibe with his style. Of directing, his style of writing, it just is so blah to me. I just gave Bridgerton a few episodes and found myself uh, like checking my phone and texting, and I was like, I'm not into this. It gets I don't good. like I don't like anachronistic things. I don't like when something is set in a period and then there are characters and outfits and behavior that could never exist at that time. Yeah, I, I yeah. can't suspend disbelief like that. I, I don't mind. I actually I actually really like. Let's that. get JB's recommendations before we. Uh, Oh, okay. So JB is at war with Netflix right now because Netflix <laughs> did some trifling ass shit. And this, I don't know, this is one of my hidden secrets, but I'm a big, big, big Power Rangers fan. Love, love Power Rangers mm. to death. To motherfucking death. And Netflix had decided to, hey, we're going to get rid of all the Power Rangers series. All of them? All of them. I'm just like, what? What am I supposed to watch for my feel good moments? Like, I've, I've always gone back to that, no matter how I'm feeling, I go watch Power Rangers. It's me feel good. Right. You know, now I got no power ranges. Oh. And now I'm at war with Netflix. I canceled my subscription. Wow, really? Yeah. It's no. real it's kind serious. of extreme, JB. You don't understand what it means to me. Like, they really just got rid of everything. But and now you can't watch anything. <sighs> no there's there's got to be another like, place been, that you can watch Power Rangers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I watch it on YouTube, but it's been three weeks now. I haven't cared to watch Netflix. At all. There is this sort of feeling of, like, there's just so much content on all of these streaming platforms that, like, it makes me just not want to watch any of it. Like, there is just this surplus of shows, and uh, some of them are good, but... All right, well, (laughs) we are now uh, 11 minutes after the hour, so let's get into the news. Let's get into it. um, Of which there is much. First of all, um, Pete Buttigieg has been confirmed by the U.S. Senate as the nation's first ever openly gay cabinet secretary. Yes, queen. Yes. He, uh, was, as we know, is the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, former presidential candidate. Uh, he easily won approval from the Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee. And he was actually approved 86 to 13, which is uh, 
pretty overwhelming given that the Senate is split 50-50 and a lot of other Biden nominees have not gotten nearly that kind of support. It really is a tribute to, um, I think, A, what they what they believe his qualifications to be, but B, I don't think they want to be seen as voting against the first openly gay um, uh, cabinet secretary. But in any case, the 39-year-old Buttigieg will be the first openly gay person uh, to be confirmed, as I said, and also one of the youngest ever. 39 is very young to be a cabinet secretary. And I frankly, you know, one of the problems with our government right now is that everyone is ancient. Yeah. You know, Biden is ancient. Pelosi's ancient. Uh, uh, McConnell's. These are all like octogenarians. They should be in nursing homes. <laughs> they should be resting. You right. know, we need people. We need a diversity of generation and of age in the government. And, uh, you know, whatever you think of Buttigieg, it's remarkable that he has uh, gone from being a, a rather small town mayor yeah. to being a cabinet secretary and being openly gay. And um, I think he's a bright guy. I think he's got a lot to learn. And uh, I'd love to see what happens next uh, okay. in his career. I, okay, here's the thing about Pete Buttigieg. I like him as a person. And his, pol- his political views are great. But... What if he was straight? Would we be paying attention to him at all? The only reason we pay attention is because he was gay. Not true. He's also a war veteran. Mm. And he has a certain charisma and a certain intelligence that reminds me of Barack Obama. You know, Barack Obama, before he became president, had only been – he was a community organizer. He was a state senator. He was a U.S. senator for less than one term. And then he was president. He kind of came out of nowhere. But he was so charming and so bright and and inspired such passion in people. And I think Buttigieg has a little – not to say he's as impressive as Obama, but he's got a little piece of that. See, I, I don't I didn't feel that way because, like, when again, when he first came on scene, the only reason why I cared, it's just because he was gay. And then I started going to his background and stuff. Like, but again, what only what sparked my interest in him was because he was gay and running for office. I was like, let's see what this fact got to offer, you know? <laughs> but I think that he, he has sort of proven that beyond just being uh, a gay politician, that there is some, some real substance there. And I think that... Um, you know, we we need to see a cabinet that reflects the country that we're living in. And, and yes. this is a huge start. I, I think this is great. I saw this um, meme. Um, you know the Chromatica Oreos that Lady Gaga? Yes. I saw a meme of him um, getting sworn in on the Chromatica Oreos, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. But what you said just now is important. It is a cabinet that reflects America. We have never seen this many people of color... Uh, this many people of uh, of different ethnicities, ages, sexual orientations. We talked a couple weeks ago about Biden appointing the first openly trans Senate confirmed official. Um, you know, there's never been a cabinet like this, and it's it's. I think it's all and good. And it's a start. It's it's just the beginning. Like exactly. I mean, some some people could criticize. You know, um, people to judges. You know, he's white. He's cis. Whatever. But well, and he didn't. He didn't handle uh, police matters very well. Right. In there, South Bend, there, he's not. He's that's not why perfect. I say he has a lot to learn. Exactly. But it is a start. It is a significant move on on Joe Biden's part. Meanwhile, new details are coming out, out about this Me Too scandal involving one of the founders of the uh, Lincoln Project, John Weaver. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Remember, Weaver's married to a woman, has two kids, came out last month after multiple young men came forward to say they had received unsolicited sexual messages from him, often coupled with internship or employment offers. 
Uh, now the New York Times has delved into this. And it seems like this is even more sinister than we knew. He didn't just send text messages to the men. He was often aggressive in his approach and left them feeling preyed upon. And it wasn't just a few young men. It was almost two dozen. Wow. He sent overt sexual solicitations to at least 10 of the men. This is according to the New York Times. And in the most explicit messages offered professional and personal assistance in exchange for sex. He told one man he would spoil you when we see each other. Uh, help you and I'll help you other times. Give you advice, counsel, help with the bills and you will help me dot 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 sensually. Oh, my goodness. Interviews with the 21 young men, as well as a review of screenshots of dozen messages he sent over the last five years, show that his behavior was unwanted and aggressive. In some cases, the men were still minors. One of the men alleged that Weaver first contacted him when he was 14, and then again when he was 17 to ask, are you still in high school? Oh, dear. Often, Weaver would ask the men questions about their bodies, whether they were circumcised, I often ask that question, too. And request whether they shared thirst trap photos. The Lincoln Project has really come out swinging against this guy. They released a statement saying, John Weaver led a secret life that was built on a foundation of deception at every level. He's a predator, a liar, and an abuser. We extend our deepest sympathies to those who were targeted by his deplorable and predatory behavior. We are disgusted and outraged that someone in a position of power and trust would use it for these means the totality of his deceptions are beyond anything any of us could have imagined. We were absolutely shocked and sickened by it. Weaver has not uh, issued any comment since uh, his coming out last month. Yeah, I mean, he he tried to get ahead of the story a bit by coming out and, you know, making it seem like, I'm ready, I'm, I, I feel inspired to come out, but it really is just he was trying to cover his ass and now it's being served to him. Absolutely. And I think the Lincoln Project is handling it well. Um, you know, of course, uh, Trump and his allies are trying to make hay of this. One of Trump's sons was tweeting like, oh, yeah, perf you know, the typical Lincoln Project. And Lincoln Project guy was like, hey, asshole, we denounced him immediately. Your yeah. father's a sexual predator. When are you going to denounce him? Yeah. Meanwhile, professional cunt Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Greene, who has been in the news uh, quite a bit this past week. Too much week for my liking. Because Congress just voted to strip her of all of her committee memberships. Uh, she has proposed a, uh, a, a new bill. She co-sponsored a bill that would ban the flying of rainbow pride flags from U.S. embassies outside of the U.S. Shut up, cunt! It's House Resolution 85. It's sponsored by South Carolina Republican Representative Jeff Duncan, another cunt. Uh, it's called the Old Glory Only Act. He has tried several times to uh, get this bill passed and repeatedly failed. Uh, Marjorie issued a statement explaining her support. She said, during my campaign for Congress, I promised that I would always put America first. That means that only the stars and stripes should fly over our embassies in foreign countries. Uh, 
the during... old glory hole act is <laughs> just ah, dumb as fuck. I would like to pass the old glory hole act, which says <laughs> you that are the old, glory old hole. men <laughs> should be serviced at glory holes without uh, discrimination. During the Obama era, it became increasingly common for U.S. embassies to fly the rainbow flag during Pride Month at, on official flagpoles. That practice, of course, was prohibited by President Trump. Uh, some embassies defied his order with the U.S. ambassadors for South Korea uh, flying the flag, as well as the Black Lives Matter flag outside the, of the local embassy there for a couple of days last summer. The U.S. embassy in Moscow also displayed a pride flag to highlight Russia's demonization of its LGBTQ communities. Uh, in January, uh, President Biden's new Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, whose name I love. Blink, blink. Every time I hear Blinken, I think uh, of the Simon Sisters song, Winkin, Blinken, and Nod. Mm. Antony Blinken said he plans to allow embassies to fly the pride flag. Uh, yeah. So anyway, she's just being her Trash. trashy self. This is a story I wanted to do two weeks ago. We ran out of time. I insist on doing it. And it is about the gay hairdresser who took part in the Capitol riots. Oh, no. And videotaped himself doing it. Uh, first of all, I have to tell you about his name. His name is Christopher Drew, and even the spelling of his name is infuriating. Christopher with a K. Oh, no. K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. Drew is spelled D-R-E-W-W. No. What? We do not need Who puts the w. two W's together? There's a silent an W person. for me. It's a silent <laughs> W. There's no way he was born with that spelling. Christopher Drew. Anyway... He's a fairly well-known hairdresser in West Hollywood. Um, excuse, in me, excuse me, in Orange County. Oh. He's apparently something of Huntington Beach. He's apparently something of a, 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 a character there. Mm -hmm. When I posted this on the Adam Sanctuary Facebook page, a lot of people were like, I know her. She's a fucking mess. Anyway, um, here's some tape of him in his hotel room right after the riot. I'm American. Did you not get that today? Did you not get that today? Like, maybe they missed the me memo, the message, I don't know. But I will tell you one thing, we stormed the Capitol so hard that everybody evacuated it out the other end and left. That's ours, baby. It's mine, it's yours, and it will never, ever let somebody take it from us again. Now, I don't want to say that he's high on crystal meth, but he's high on crystal meth. <laughs> he sounds... Let's be honest. Really he's high. He's spun out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, his home's been raided by the FBI... He's in deep shit. Uh, he faces multiple charges. And uh, listen, if he is on meth, I have sympathy for him the way I have sympathy for anyone who's caught in the grips of that drug. But I know a lot of meth addicts, and none of them have ever, you know, stormed the Capitol and tried to overthrow the government. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, this, is, this has come up several times when we've talked about the Capitol, part of Ayarta. In general, if you are doing something that, I don't know, frowned upon, don't record yourself. Don't put it on the fucking internet. But that's the problem with these Capitol writers. They all thought they were heroes. Right. You know, I was just reading yesterday. Don't ask me why. I was reading all about John Wilkes Booth. Okay. The man who assassinated Lincoln. Mm -hmm. First of all, did you guys know that John Wilkes Booth was not just an actor? He was like the most famous actor of his generation. Yeah. It would have been like if Tom Cruise had suddenly assassinated the president. He was also hot. 
His brothers were both famous actors. His father was a famous actor. Like the Booth family was like known. Okay, and let's say uh, let's say one of the Hemsworth. This sounds like a Hemsworth situation. Like one of the Hemsworths killed mm, the president. Yeah, that makes more sense too because he was only like twenty six yeah, at the time. He was young. Oh wow! But um, but he after he he escaped for like ten days before they found him and shot him. And he wrote in his journal. And one of the things he wrote was like he couldn't understand why he wasn't being hailed as a hero. He really thought that people were going to be – like he was going to be uh, a legend and everyone was going to love him and praise him for killing this tyrant. These fucking Capitol rioters are so deluded. Yeah. They're so deranged that they videotaped themselves because they thought they were going to be heroes. Yeah. They thought everyone was just going to pat them on the back and give them a ticker tape parade. Not so much. And the meth doesn't help. <laughs> but anyway, if you go to Christopher Drew's Yelp page, as I did, you can read quite a few interesting reviews mm, I'm sure. that people have left. And uh, so his life is pretty much ruined for now. Um, subsequent to... Uh, okay. Uh, local Los Angeles station KCAL reported that Drew... Has a, also has a criminal record, having faced charges of misrepresenting himself to police and, surprise, surprise, possession of a controlled substance. There you go. In other news, China has a new way to test for COVID, and it's not in your nose. Hmm. They are now using anal swabs for certain people in select groups, mainly high-risk cases and people who are in quarantine, uh, some people have been subjected to anal testing, including passengers arriving in Beijing and a group of more than a thousand schoolchildren. Oh, so Beijing's the place to go <laughs> just to feel loved a little bit. You know, I've had my anus swabbed when several, I've gone to the several, doctor several to get tested for gonorrhea. Have you guys had that? Yeah, I, yeah all it the time. It does not feel good. It does not feel that good. That dry, scratchy Q-tip rubbing against your heart. I also think my doctor just loved pricking me and poking me with things because every time I went in there, he always had, we got to do a test. What? Why? We just did one. Well, your ass has, gets a lot of action. Too. <laughs> it did. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, to go up the butt and have to go up out the nose, I mean, that's just, I can't imagine that being <laughs> well, they... comfortable at all. It's a very long, long swab. Especially, yeah, yes. The use of anal swabs is limited because it's invasive and inconvenient. If a stool sample cannot be obtained, a saline-soaked cotton swab about one to two inches long is inserted into the anus. I could take that. So you told one me to not two to inches. Ugh. Oh, my goodness. And the sample tests for active traces of the virus. Li Tong Zhang, the deputy director of respiratory and infectious diseases at, in Beijing, said in an interview that uh, anal swabs appear to be more accurate at detecting the coronavirus than nasal or throat testing. The virus lives longer in excrement and in the anus than in the respiratory tract. I hope everyone's enjoying their breakfast as they listen to this. Uh, not every scientist supports the use of anal swabs. Uh, Yang Zhangqui, a pathologist at Wuhan University, told the Global Times that he thought uh, nasal and throat swabs are still the most effective test. I didn't know you could get a throat swab for COVID. I thought it was just nose. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Portugal, a man who was believed to have died and been buried was found alive 18 days after his funeral. I am spooked. I love these stories. I am fully spooked. There's so many of them. 
The 92-year-old man from Milheiros de Polares, Feria, in northern Portugal, was declared dead on January 10th after being hospitalized for two months uh, due to respiratory problems from COVID. After the man's family was informed of his death by employees of the medical center, a funeral was held two days later. Uh, the man's sister, or excuse me, the man's son said he tried to see the body to identify it, but they wouldn't let him. He insisted on seeing the body, but something, um, I insisted on seeing the body, but something made me suspect that it might not be my father, but they wouldn't let me see him. And I understood, he added. Um, then they were informed that their relative's death was an error and that the man was still alive. The buried body belonged to another family. <gasps> which was later contacted and informed of the death by the hospital. The son says doctors from the hospital came to talk to me saying there was an error, that my father was alive so I could confirm it. They apologized for the error. He immediately went to the hospital to see his father, who was alive and conscious. That is wild. It's also it's also real funny because the doctors really tried to cover up their, their mess. Like, yes. Because no funeral happens two days Two days after, unless it was already prepared and ready to go. You know what I thought of, though? You know, when, when people are in their 90s, it's really kind of hard to tell one from another. You know? <laughs> a men, dead person from a men person from Well, yes, it's hard to tell a dead body from a live one at that age. But also, like, men and women who are in their 90s oh, kind of yeah. look the same. One old man looks like They've another got, old like, man. five hairs. They, they all kind of, you know, they shrivel. Yeah. And it's not that easy to – I mean, I could see this happening, basically. <laughs> But then again, you think in a hospital, people are identified. They've got like a tag hanging sure. from their bed. I mean, this is a third world hospital, I'm assuming. Portugal. It's, that's not a third world country. Portugal's a, you know, a very civilized place. Yeah. Who apparently Apolo- can't get their medical shit My together. apologies to my Portuguese listeners. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Oi, tudo bem. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant like this hospital. Me nome é Adão. We probably do have like one listener. I'm sure we have listeners in Portugal. We're trending in Mexico, by the way. Are we really? Suddenly we're on the charts in Mexico. So thank thank you, Mexico. Meanwhile, a similar incident happened in November in India when a 75-year-old COVID-19 patient in Bengal returned home alive days after being declared dead. This would really freak me out. If I mourned the loss of my parent and all of a sudden my dad shows up, hi, I'm here. I'd be like, what? Um, oh my God! All right, we're going to skip this story about Kelly Clarkson possibly replacing Ellen. Just know that Kelly Clarkson might replace Ellen. I'm not because her ratings are are as high as Ellen's right now, and everyone yeah. hates Ellen. Yeah. But we're going to go to Ryan Frostig with his weekly, uh, his biweekly RuPaul's RuPaul's Drag Race RuPaul's Drag Race update. Take it away, Ryan. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. Thank you, Adam. So. Uh, if you have not watched last night's episode, I would recommend uh, just fast forwarding a bit. I'm going to reveal a little bit of a spoiler, but last week um, we saw one of the most um, intense untucks we've seen in a while. Yes, um, between Candy Muse and Tamisha Aman, um, and it it got me thinking a lot about sort of. The demise of the villain archetype in reality TV. Because to have great reality television, there are these archetypes that have to be met. You still, in, in like any storytelling, right? You have, the, you have the ingenue. The hero. The, the hero, villain, the villain. You the, need, the wise guide. You need to have these characters to 
tell a compelling story. It's not just for someone like me that watches this as like as an art form. There is some there is some um, some some purpose in the way that they're telling this particular story. Yes. So Candy, unfortunately, isn't the most eloquent person and really She's a mess. really came for Tamisha, who I think in that particular argument, I was more on the side of of. Tamisha, who was basically just saying, look, and this is this is the producers that have set this up, this dynamic of like, this is these are the winners, these are the losers. And Candy made it very clear that she was only seeing the people on her team and her group as real competition, and everyone else was just kind of I will extra. say, I think Tamisha was spoiling for a fight. Like I, I, I don't think Tamisha had to provoke her the way she did. Although I like Tamisha and I don't like Candy, when you walk back into the room and say, it's some of you girls I don't like, you know that you're going to get a fight. Well, this is sort of what got me thinking. So if we don't have those conversations, if we don't have people like Tamisha sort of instigating some confrontation, then you have this um, this viewership that's saying, where's the drama? Where's the, it's so boring. Everyone's so nice. RuPaul's best friends race. It's this... In this new era of drag race, everyone has to be congenial. Everyone has to be... Right, they're all playing the game. They're all playing the game, and they're all producing themselves in such a... It, it just... it For me, it starts to lose a little bit of the, like, the grit. And yes. The, and and what, what it really means to, to be a drag queen, to just sort of be unfiltered. And, and, um, and yeah, so, so Candy... Uh, unfortunately received a lot of hate on social media and apparently people reached out to her family um, threatening to hurt them, to kill them. That should never happen. It should never happen. Um, but it made me think, you know, back in the day when you had like characters like uh, New York from I uh, Love New York, I Love New York or, or um, um, who was the one? From? Omarosa. Omarosa, the one from Survivor. And by the way, it's very frequently black women. Yes, which always. Is, which becomes a trope. Yes. Um, and but these, but in some ways, they were like um, celebrated for having that. Sort yeah, they were of, notorious. Yeah, and um, and so there is this fine line now that we're seeing where there is this. There is this. We want to be entertained. It's reality TV. I mean, there is this sense of like, we do want there to be conflict, but there's this fine line of, is this appropriate conflict or inappropriate conflict? And I, I, I don't know what the line is. I would say, and we got to go to our guest, but I would say there are certain shows I watch because I want to see toxic people fighting each other. Yeah. Real Housewives. Yes. The only reason to watch Real Housewives is to see them like freak out at each other and act like assholes. I watch Drag Race because I really do appreciate the art. Yeah, I want to see funny, sassy, bitchy, but I don't want to see I don't want to see mean. constant drama. That yeah. just it's not interesting to me. Just like Project Runway, I love Project Runway for the creativity and the fashions. I don't care whether they fight or that they don't fight. That's not what I'm there for. So I think uh, I understand that Candy's good for the show in a way, but I yeah. don't know that she's good for the humanity <laughs> or, or the competition. Uh, anyway, thank you, Ryan. We're going to move to our guest segment. Yes. And our guest today is a fabulous comedian with a highly impressive list of TV credits. She has performed on, get ready for this, 
The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, The Late Show with David Letterman, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Conan, Inside Amy Schumer, and Last Comic Standing. Here's a taste of the comedy stylings of Carmen Lynch. And uh, this man approached me out of the blue, and he goes, you're awkwardly hot. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that even mean, awkwardly hot? I've never even heard those two words put together. How do you even say thank you to awkwardly hot? <laughs> Thanks. Is that awkwardly hot? How much of awkwardly hot is hot? <laughs> Men don't explain their compliments. One time this man approached me and he goes, there's something about you that's sexy. <laughs> and I was like, what is it? <laughs> and he's like, not that. <laughs> And joining us all the way from the beautiful New York City borough of Queens, please give a warm-ass welcome to Carmen Lynch. Oh, my gosh. Carmen, Woo! is it you? I, yes, can you hear me? Yes, welcome from Queens. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's, it's still very snowy here. I mean, it's sunny, but we got old snow from, from last week. Isn't New York City beautiful after it snows when all the snow turns black and is covered in dog shit and bags of uncollected garbage? Oh, my God. The garbage just it's funny because at one point I saw this pile and I thought it was snow and it's just garbage. bags. Yeah, we make garbage men in the snow in New York City. Oh, my City. God. How's L.A.? I bet it's like 70. Oh, I'm not in L.A., honey. I'm right here oh. in, in Manhattan. What? I thought you were in California. No, baby. I, I think you're thinking oh. of that I moved to San Diego, but that was over 10 years ago. I've been back for a long oh my time. God. I haven't seen you in so long, though. I know. I know. Carmen, you and I knew each other from way back in the day. We, I know. We played the same shitty little dive bars together. And we did. now you've been on every major late night show. So my question is, why you and not me? my life. I mean, I'm doing playgrounds now outside. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I, you've you blown up. Show? What? Oh, thank you. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm so grateful for those shows. They're, they're amazing. It's funny now though. Like you think, you know, late night, I, I'm, I love that I did all that, but now it just seems like it's all about social media. You know what I mean? Well, right. Like, if you don't get those followers, forget it. Uh, the whole paradigm has shifted. You know, when, when we started, it was all about like doing these live shows and tr hoping that someone in the audience was uh, a kingmaker or or a gatekeeper, you know, an agent, a producer. Yep. We all those bullshit industry showcases where we were promised there would be some people from industry in the audience, and there never were. It was it was about that. It was about sending out our our VHS tapes. Uh, oh my god! Remember that, and yes. later our DVDs, yes. and and like. I just had to throw out about a thousand of those uh, DVDs because I'm like, DVD players are never coming back. And also, right. and also these sets are from 15 years ago. <laughs> and I also, but I don't do stand-up anymore. Oh, you don't do it at all? No, I retired. I, I stopped in uh, 2018. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, why haven't I seen you then? Um, <laughs> I've just been you, doing really poorly. <laughs> Have you did you run a show like right near uh, Broadway Comedy Club for a while? Uh, did you run a show? Yes, at Therapy Lounge for three years, right before I moved to San Diego. Yes, 
I loved that room. Thank that you. Me too. Show. It was good. I miss it. I miss it. I, I stupidly I gave it up to move to San Diego for a man. Biggest mistake oh, ever. Well, yeah, we've all made those mistakes though for men. <laughs> I understand. But Carmen, of all of those late night shows you did, like which was the most exciting for you? I'm gonna guess Letterman. Yeah, I mean they're they're different. They're like they're like ex lovers, Adam. Um, no, the, the first, the first, in my case, that would mean dead. (laughs) Well, like the, the letter, the first, I don't want to brag. I was about to say the first letter, man. No, but the, the first one is exciting because it's your first one. Like you have no idea what it's like. You know, I remember like calling, uh, people going like, Oh my God, what's it like? I want to make sure I don't like trip or, or mess up or whatever. And it's that, that, company the um i forget what letterman was called it's the worldwide pants yeah like or whoever runs that show it's so well it's such a well-oiled machine because you literally could do everything with your eyes closed they tell you where to stand they put your makeup they stand here they get you here like all i have to do is remember five minutes and that's it and i remember doing my five minutes and then literally just looking over and Dave was right next to me. And then mm. he's like, thank you so much. Da, 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 good night. And he disappeared like a ghost. Like <laughs> suddenly the producers are back with me. They're walking me to the back. Like, I'm like, I didn't have to do anything. Like I probably got escorted just to go to the bathroom. That's right. so helpful. Well, you and know? I, I've, I always heard that with Letterman, even his celebrity guests don't get to talk to him during the commercials. Like he blasts the music I heard too. and turns away from yeah. them. Which is weird. Yeah, that's weird. It's so weird. It's very strange. I guess maybe after a certain point, you just, you know, you're sick of just chit-chatter. You know, you're just like, I can't deal. Just leave me alone. (laughs) Well, I sort of sympathize Um, with, you know how it is when you're doing a stand-up show and you're waiting to go on and someone suddenly starts talking your ear off. I hate that. So much. And you're kind of like, I'm in my head here. Like, back the fuck off. Like, I don't like even when other comics do that. You can talk to me after the show. Totally. And I I love that you said that because I, you know, every comic is different. But I'm the kind of person like that. Like, I'm like, please don't even, like, breathe on me. Like, just (laughs) leave me alone until I'm finished. And then you see other comics who will talk literally until they're introduced on stage. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I can't. I wish I didn't. I didn't look like I cared so much. Right. You know? Right. I, I, I remember reading once Phyllis Diller had this rule that no one could talk to her before she went up. And, and she said, I'm not trying to be unfriendly, but you have to understand that I am giving 100% of my energy to that right. set, to, to that time on stage. I don't have any energy to waste right now. It's all got to be, um, you know, pointed to, to, to that moment. You were... Recently, Carmen, I honestly feel like every time I like turn on the computer, there's a new article about you. You were recently featured in the New York Times. Jason, Uh Jason Zinneman, who has never written about me, in spite of the fact that I used to work with him. uh, The article was all about your transition. Not sexually, but uh, (laughs) I was going to say I had no idea. Yeah. You are tall, but no, your your transition <laughs> from being a stand-up star to a TikTok star. Oh, that's very sweet to call me a TikTok star. You're a star. Um, you have over yeah. a million views. 
Oh, thank you. No, you know what's funny about that, though? I, you know, just like everyone else who does stand-up, I was like, what am I doing with all this free time? I'm going crazy. I'm so anxious. Because, you know, you know, as you know, like, you know, when you're doing the road or you're doing whatever, um, it's almost like life is giving you things to do to distract you yes. from your thoughts. And then the pandemic happens, and I'm like, oh, I got to think now? I got to just sit here? So, um, and I love making videos anyway, even before TikTok. So it just kind of was just fun to be like, let me just be really silly on TikTok and see where this goes. Well, and the article you know? talked about how you have this joke that you've done. Uh, you did it on The Tonight Show about having this uh, older boyfriend, who, by the way, is my age. So thank you for that. <laughs> he always is like, are you telling people about how old I am? Yes, and it's going viral. <laughs> and also, isn't he only like five years older than you? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just fun. <laughs> I just love to uh, to just do that. You know, it's just fun. And it's funny because some people, you know, um, it's almost like complimentary. They think I'm I'm like 15 or 10 years younger than him. And so they're like, you know, they'll come up to me after after a show and be like, wow, your boyfriend's 50? Kind of like, <laughs> and you're like, and I'm 45, and bitch. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, they're like, wow, he's like pretty old. And I'm like, I know, right? Like, I just play along. I'm like, yeah, let them think that. So you had this joke, which you had done successfully on stage a number of times, and you modified it for TikTok. You, you turned it into something that was uh, done for the stage into something that was done for, uh, uh, you know, a video screen. And, and Jason describes like all the little nuances that you added to it. And that was interesting to me. I mean, did you, did you sit there and think like, how am I going to make this work on video or did it just kind of happen organically? Well, you know, I, I'm not definitely not going to take credit for, you know, telling jokes into the camera because a lot of comics are doing that and have been doing that. And, uh, but when I did decide to do that, I was like, you know, I want to make it my own a little bit. And I kind of tend to have a lot of weird facial expressions. So I wanted to add that. And then I was just playing around with music. And I said, you know, let me just add some of this TikTok background music. So I kind of turned it into my own kind of spin. Um, and I was just having fun with it. Honestly, I, I didn't think much of it other than like, how can I turn old jokes that I don't do on stage anymore into like little fun clips? But you added, but it. you also added a laugh to it that wouldn't necessarily be part of your onstage persona. You're, you're known as kind of a deadpan True. one line, yeah. one line teller comic. And you, you kind of added this demonic laugh that, that I, I, to me is like the funniest part of the video. Oh, thank you. You know, what's funny is that, you know, um, you know, when you go, I don't know if you go on TikTok a lot, but a lot of Never. times the algorithm, if you, if you watch something, it'll just, if you watch it all the way, it'll just show you the same kind of video. So I started watching these like TikTok, how to do TikTok well videos. And one of the things that one of these videos said is that if something works, just keep doing it. So the laugh was almost there to... um you know, because I know a lot of these kids are on TikTok and, and the, the society now is just so sensitive. You know, they're like so 
uh, don't hurt anyone's feelings or whatever. And I'm like, if I do a joke about a boyfriend being 50 or I have this other, the first one that went viral was about having sex with my boyfriend. And I'm like, if I just do that straight up, I'm sure a lot of these millennials will be like, oh, that's so mean, you know? (laughs) So I decided to just add a laugh to just kind of lighten up the situation. And then when the laugh started working, I was like, let me just change the laugh for every video you know because they said what works just milk it so i'm like all right then i'll do another mean joke but i'll make a different laugh you know and then i just started doing the laugh from that i have resisted joining tiktok is this something i should be doing no i think you're very healthy my co-host says no very smart decision right ryan why do you say no i mean i just i i just can't keep up with all the new it's going to be a big thing like Snapchat was a big thing, and then it'll just quickly die out. And Ryan is a millennial, totally. by the way. So he's like the TikTok generation. Yeah. I, that's how I mean. feel. I just I don't want to learn a whole new thing. I barely make I Instagram I, stories. You know, you're, you're, you sound like you're grounded and you're healthy. Honestly, like, it, it brings me a lot of anxiety where I have to just put the phone down and say, like, live your life and look at a tree and enjoy nature because it's right. not healthy. Right. It's not healthy. And, and you're right. Like, a lot of these people are not going to, like, transfer over to audience. Like, it's not like I'm going to go out and do a show when the pandemic's over and I'm going to sell out a, a, a theater or whatever. You know, I'm not even doing theaters, but you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean it's just... I think it but, does help, but, though. I think it helps tremendously. If you If you get a million hits... That is going to translate to ticket sales. Maybe not arenas, but certainly right. comedy clubs in major cities. People are going to go, oh, yeah, I know her from TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true if you're Sarah Cooper and you have like 2 million followers. But, you know, and, it, and I did get a lot of followers. But, I mean, it, it doesn't mean I'm at that level where people are knocking on doors. You know, and I'm not ungrateful. I'm just saying, like, I think it takes a lot to get to the next level because right now – everything is getting saturated. I mean, even like the, I, I started a podcast over the pandemic and I'm like, who needs another podcast? <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, so a lot of things, I think it's just, you, you've got to jump on when, when it's new, but it doesn't mean it's going to stick around. Carmen, you know? I, I also didn't know that you performed shows entirely in Spanish as well as English. Oh yeah. Si, senor. So just like Ilaria Baldwin, you claim Spanish heritage. <laughs> I'm Carmelaria, Carmelaria. Yeah. Carmelaria. Where, what, what part, yeah. are both your parents Spanish? No, my mom is from Spain. My dad's from New York. And so you, they had one of those romantic meet, meetups, and then it, I guess it just worked out. And you grew up completely bilingual. Yeah, I grew up in Spain, and then I moved to the States when I was like eight. So, um, and then, you know, I just, I still speak Spanish to my Spanish side, my mom's side. So that kind of helped me just remember the language because, you know, if you don't practice, it just doesn't stick. What a gift that is. My Spanish is decent, but I could never, you know, I'm not fluent enough that I could get on stage and do a whole show in Spanish. I would love to be able to do that because talk about increasing your, your audience. Yeah. I mean, I bet you could do five minutes. Like we, I used to run a Spanish show up in Washington Heights. Um, with my friend Brian Grossi, who's also uh, fluent. And we used to have people um, like yourself who would just say that same thing and then come up and do five minutes in Spanish. I would try and, it. It would definitely be a challenge. Yeah. 
All right, it's time every, uh, for everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Carmen. It's called Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. What's the first joke you ever told on stage? Oh, my God. I used to just literally go up on stage and go, so I'm tall, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it worked, though. Yeah, I mean, that was my opener for so long that after a while, I'm like, I got to find something else because I'm sick of saying that. So the listeners know, how tall are you? I'm six feet tall. Yes. That's a perfect height for a woman. Oh, thank you. Carmen. Yeah, I, I call it Vertically Obese now. <laughs> right, that's, that's the name of your album, album, Vertically Obese. Yeah. What's the worst thing an audience member has ever said to you during or after a show? I used to wear back brace in high school, and I talked about my scoliosis a lot when I first started doing stand-up. And this woman in the audience was so offended. Now, keep in mind, I'm the one that went through it. Right. And she just stood up, and she go- can I curse on Yes, this? please. Yeah, right? And she stood up and she goes, fuck you, you anorexic bitch. Oh, my God. And uh, she was so offended. And she wasn't even like a sco like me. She was just like <laughs> thinking I was mean. And Shut up, like, you non-sco. Yeah. I was like, this is my Shut up, cunt. Okay. <laughs> Which famous comedian is least deserving of his or her career? Oh, shit. I have to call them out? Yes. Say their names. Oh. oh, my God. I don't know if I can do that. Let me think. Oh. I don't want to say it. I can't. Oh, you wuss. I can't. Well, I'm going to say I'll tell it. I'll you after the show. No. I'm right. going to say it's a tie between Kevin Hart and Dane Cook. I'll go with Dane on you with that. How about that? Uh, no, I, thank you for joining me. Who's the, <laughs> yeah. who's the greatest comedian of all time? I mean, whenever I think, I've got so many New York favorites, and I'm sure you do too. I love David Tell. I, I will stop anything just to watch him. And uh, and then Judy Gold and Jessica Kirsten are just yes. my favorite. Brilliant. Just, I love how angry Judy, she's so goddamn funny. And then Jessica, I can't, I just can't deal with her. She cracks me up. I just. I was just watching just her happy birthday bit her, on Instagram the other day. If it, you guys oh do yourselves God. a favor and Google Jessica Kirsten, happy birthday. It's one of the funniest bits ever. Um, what's a word that makes you cringe every time you hear it? Moist. You don't like moist. That's still. A, that moist. seems to be a thing it's with women. Still a vagina. It's still a vagina word. And I don't care how moist the cake is. You just don't say that word. You know? Moist. It's so yeah. moist. Um, okay. Have you ever seen a production of Bizet's Carmen? Yes. A lot of times because it's uh it's Spanish, I think. Yes, I think it is. And uh, so my mom would watch it, and I would watch it with her. Please sing habanera for love us. The music. What? Please sing habanera for us. Oh, I, if that's from the move from the opera, it's like da na 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 na. No, that's Toreador. Oh, habanera is the one that goes da da da. It's so good, right? It's so good. A great movie to stream is Carmen Jones, which is... 
Carmen Jones. Carmen Jones was a uh, an adaptation of Carmen made in the 50s starring Dorothy Dandridge with an all-black cast with lyrics by Oscar Hammerstein. It's fantastic. I'm going to look I'm going to look it up after this. I love that. Carmen described the worst gig you ever had and was I there? You weren't there. Uh thank God because I would feel really sad for you. <laughs> but um I was in uh Atlantic City. I was very new. And uh, I bombed so hard. First of all, um, the owner there, I don't even remember his name, but he was just like, you're going to bomb. And I think it was fucking with me. He's like, you're going to bomb, you're going to bomb. And I was so nervous. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, you know, everyone in there was drunk. They were in the casino. And I did so badly that the next day I got fired. There's nothing worse than bombing bombing really, really badly. It's the wor- It literally is the worst thing. Like, I I don't know if this happened to you, but when you when you first bomb as a new comic, mm. like you literally think it's the end of your career. Like you you know now you're just like I'll go home and like watch Netflix. But um, but back then you're like, oh my god, I have to find another job. Right. Like you take it so seriously. The worst for me. Well, I have two really bad ones. One was at Caroline's when. I had to follow Patrice O'Neill and uh-huh. he did like 45 minutes. He was like a walk on, oh you know, un- yeah. unscheduled guest who was like, Oh, I'll just drop by Caroline's and do 45 minutes. And it was right as I was coming to the stage, they were like, wait, Patrice wants to do a set. And, you know, largely African-American audience and Patrice destroyed as he usually did. And then it was like, and now here comes unknown white gay comic, Adam Sank. At, to do his 10 minutes <laughs> and like it it wasn't even like they were they were rude or heckling or anything they were just silent they were yeah. silent for 10 minutes and then slowly that people the started worst. to get up and yeah. pay their check and leave but the really worst one was when i was booked for an atlantis uh gay resort and i was brand new and i should have never accepted the gig i had never done more than 10 minutes before and suddenly i had to headline and do 45 minutes in front of like a resort of gay men and what was terrible about that is then having to hang out with those same guys for the next few days at the resort oh, and having everyone yeah. look away every time they saw me like i was like like i was you That's know a pariah Carmen, tell people how they can t- plug yourself. Tell them how they can buy your albums, listen to your podcast. Just d- d- do a whole uh, hard sell right now. Okay. My podcast is uh, with my boyfriend, who's a comedy, like a TV writer. So your we old boyfriend. About- my old boyfriend. And uh, it's called The Human Centipod. It has nothing to do with the movie. We just are stuck together in the pandemic, so we just decided to call it the Human Centipod. It's on Sirius XM every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and all those places, the Human Centipod. And then my album that came out this summer is my second album, and it's called Vertically Obese, and it's also um, iTunes, Spotify, all those places. And all of my socials, my silly TikTok videos, everything, my YouTube, everything is under at uh, Carmen Comedian for Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, everything. Fabulous. Carmen, you are delightful. I'm so happy for all your success, and I appreciate your doing the podcast. Thank you. It's nice talking to you again. You too. This is the only way I talk to comedians these days is when I have them on my podcast because I never see you guys anymore. 
I know. Maybe I'll run into you in New York now that I know you're here. I'm here. I've been here. All right, baby. Thank you so much. Love you. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Isn't she fun? So fun. Ryan and JB, <clears throat> plug yourselves, please. Well, I'm not doing very much on social media these days, but um, you can follow me at Ryan Frosting on Instagram. You can follow me at StockyAnarchy12 on your Instagram. Please send dick pics. Thank you. Yes, and send whole pics to Ryan. Thank you both so much. Tune in next week to hear another brand new ass with our special guest, Brian Bat. I'm excited yes. for this one. Acclaimed star of stage, screen, and television. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. And don't forget to download the DNR Studios app. Uh, order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank. Email me, adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Love you. Bye.